Friends, welcome to this morning service on the 25th of July. Our call to worship. Lord, we come as a community of hope to hear your words of encouragement. We come as a community in need to receive your healing. We come as a community of faith to receive your abundance. We come as a community ready to receive your word. We come as your community, willing to share all we have in your name. Amen. Friends, our first hymn this morning, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. 
that was the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Lord, that although, like the first disciples, we feel confused and inadequate at times, you equip us with the resources to share your abundance with all in need. God, help us to trust your promise, to uphold and stay close to us, and give us the courage and the confidence to proclaim your gospel of truth and love in all places, to all people. You tell us and remind us in the Psalms that you are faithful in all your words and gracious in all your deeds. You tell us that you uphold all those who are falling. You raise up all who are bowed down. That you are just in all your ways and kind in all your doings. Thank you, gracious God, that you are near to all of us who call on you, to all who call on you in truth. Gracious God, your son gradually revealed his identity through science and teaching, and he drew huge crowds as he went. Draw us closer to you, that as we share scripture and reflect on his words, we may reflect on our own lives of actions and words spoken and committed, that have left others feeling hurt, uncared for. Forgive us. Forgive us for actions that have left others doubting faith and your love. And we ask that you would be with us in all of our lives, that we may each of us reflect your goodness and your grace. This we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. We say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, that we may forgive all who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Amen. We listen to our first reading. This is from um, the second book of Kings, 2 Kings chapter 4. Just a couple of verses, verses 42 to 44. A man came from Baal Shashilah. Bring in a man of God twenty loaves of barley bread baked from the first ripe grain, along with some heads of new grain. Give it to people to eat, Elisha said. How can I set this before a hundred men? his servant asked. But Elisha answered, Give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord says, they will eat and have some left over. Then he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over, according to the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, we listen to the song written by Graham Kendrick, The Servant King. Came helpless babe. 
entered our world, your glory veiled, not to be served, but to serve, and give your life that we might live. This is our God, the servant calls us now to follow him, to bring our lives as a daily offering of worship to the servant king. There in the garden of My heavy load he chose to bear. His heart with sorrow was torn. Yet not my will, but yours, he said. This is our God, the servant. Us now to follow him, to bring our lives as a daily offering of worship to the servant king. Come see his hands and his feet. The scars that speak of sacrifice, hands that flung stars into space, to cruel nails surrender. This is our God, the servant king. He us now to follow him, to bring our lives as a daily offering of worship to the servant king. So let us learn how to serve. And lives enthrone him, each other's needs to prefer, for it is Christ we're serving. This is our God, the servant King, he calls us
that was the servant king. And we listen now to our gospel reading, the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 1 to 15. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down, about 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Thanks be to God. Amen. Have you seen the film Pay It Forward? It's, um, it's a great film. And here a teacher gives the children a challenge for some work. A challenge to change the world. And the camera of the film pans the, the children around and they're expectant, some mystified, others exciting, some just looking bored and rolling their eyes. But when the camera comes to Trevor, you can see that his little mind is percolating. What can I do? What can I do? As the teacher talks about what he expects, Trevor is really moved. A few days and a daily life montage sequences later, he comes up with an idea. He decided to do something big for three people who really need it, with the understanding that each will do the same for three more people. And soon the whole world will be populated by people doing something good or walking, working to the end of worry. That's the idea and it works. People start doing good deeds. There's also a collective called Join Me. You provide a passport photo of yourself and then on certain Fridays, Good Fridays, you undertake a good deed for someone else. It started as a joke, but now there are thousands of people involved in buying numerous cups of coffee for strangers and even a pair of shoes, according to one website. So we ask ourselves the question, can anyone make a difference? Can a small boy dreaming up a school project or one man putting an ad in a newspaper that says, join me, make a difference? Well, the outcomes of these projects clearly say, yes, they can. 
and this idea of, of paying it forward or or paying for a, a second cup of coffee or uh, the person behind you in a queue to, to have a coffee to pay for them, it, it happens and people make a difference. Our reading from John's Gospel opens with accounts of two miracles. The first that we're going to focus on today is the feeding of the 5,000. The second is Jesus walking on water. The feeding of the 5,000 is probably one of Jesus' most significant miracles. And we know this because it's the only one that's mentioned in all four gospel accounts. There was a, a young minister who was preaching his very first sermon on the feeding of the 5,000, and he was a tad nervous. When he got up, he said, the master fed the multitude with 5,000 loaves and 2,000 fish. And uh, an old guy sat in the congregation grin and said, well, I could even do that. Uh, the next week, the, uh, the, the new pastor got up again and said, last week I misspoke when I said the master feeds the multitude, but he does with five loaves and two fish. So he looked at the old man and said, could you do that? At which the old man said, yeah, of course I can, if I can use last week's leftovers. The Gospel writer John doesn't usually repeat stories from other Gospels. But here, this fight, feeding of the 5,000 is an event that he recounts, even though it is found in all the other Gospels as well. Telling this story himself helps John to explain the sermon Jesus gives the next day. It's later recounted in the chapter, that sermon, that Jesus being the bread of life. It all links, feeding people, bread of life. As Jesus travels to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, a large crowd, yet again, a large crowd begins to follow him. The text reminds us they follow him because they see the signs that he's doing and he's healing the sick. They don't follow him because he's the son of God or because of his miracles. One commentator explains of the crowd that perhaps they were even thrill seekers who failed to grasp the true significance of Jesus' miraculous signs. They flocked to see his works, but refused to accept his words. Well, Jesus goes up on a mountain and he sits down with his disciples. I've often pondered what those conversations may have been about, but it's here that we see his human nature a time of peace and quiet with his closest friends. But the crowd continues to come towards him and Jesus quickly adapts to the situation. As the crowd approaches, Jesus is concerned, concerned for their physical welfare. So he asks his disciple, Philip, where are we going to go and buy bread? He did this to test Philip because Jesus knew what he was going to do. And this reading, in its entirety, is an excellent example of what can happen when we offer even the smallest thing and entrust it into the hands of God. There's a lot we can find in this reading, a lot how Jesus challenged the status quo of the time around him. It says he asked the crowd to sit. And as he said, I have no doubt that he continued teaching them. Rabbis would normally sit and disciples would stand. So already Jesus was breaking a great convention. 
There's nothing here about how they ritually performed the washing of hands before they ate. How could they have done that? Again, Jesus changes and challenges the, the, the laws that are around. He turns things upside down. Jesus has been preaching and healing much of the day. He's retreated in order to get some rest and to recharge his batteries after the death of his cousin John the Baptist. And there the crowds are. This is Philip's stomping ground. He knows the area well. That's why he turns to Philip. Where can we go to buy bread for this people? And somewhat quizzically, Philip replies, don't you understand Jesus? Well, fans are saying anything to Jesus about understanding. He understands everything. It'll take more than six months wages. Well, whose wages to buy bread for these people? He knew that Jesus was kind and thoughtful. But even this for Jesus seemed quite a big task. All of a sudden, Andrew comes up. We don't hear a lot about Andrew through the Gospels, but he turns up saying, hey, there's a, there's a boy here. He's got five loaves and he's got two fish. I sometimes wonder what it must have like been like to be that boy. When he got up that morning, he was probably planning to spend the day fishing or playing with his friends. And as he's on the way out the door, his mum says, oh, take some food. Did you pack a lunch? She prepares a lunch, quite a good lunch for a small boy and sends him on his way. Maybe she too was being generous with his friends. He can hardly contain himself as he walks with Andrew to the very front of this vast crowd. And there Jesus is sitting, perhaps excited yet shy. Andrew says simply, this boy, he has his lunch. And the boy watches in amazement as Jesus takes his lunch, this small lunch, and transforms it, transforms it to feed over 5,000 people. I wonder how he recounted that to his mum when he got home. Yeah, some loaves, some fish, and feeding a crowd. It's more than just the items the boy had. He could have kept them hidden. But the boy almost entrusted everything he had to God. God didn't expect the boy to have enough to feed the 5,000. He only wanted him to offer it. Philip knows the cost of such an endeavour. He spells out the message of impossibility. And we know people like that, don't we? It'll never work. We tried it 30 years ago. We've come across those people who say that most things are impossible and they show you how impossible it is, or they tell you how impossible it is. Almost kind of stuck in a box. Philip was stuck in a box. You can't see much when you're stuck inside a box. In fact, it's a bit constrictive. But that's how Philip is thinking. Jesus, you may be a great teacher, but do you really understand what's going on here? When stuck in a box, Philip became what the world calls reasonable. And he failed to see the true vision of God. But then there's Andrew. Andrew is almost constantly outside of the box. In fact, to be the brother of someone like Peter, you've got to be. Peter always took the high road and Andrew was often there behind him. He's an interesting character. We don't read a lot about him, but we know these things about him. 
It was Andrew who brought Peter to Jesus. This was the first thing he did as Christ's disciple to bring somebody else. Andrew brought some Greeks to Christ and Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist. Andrew was someone who lived outside of the box and he brings Jesus this morsel, but at least he brings something. And as he presents to Jesus the boy in his lunch, Andrew asks the question, how far will it go? Jesus asks the crowd to sit, breaks the bread and give thanks, blesses it. Then he hands it round and 12 baskets are left over. We know the story and the people, their response is they want to force him, make him to be king. So what's the meaning of all this? The meaning is that if all we ever think of Jesus is within our box, then that's exactly what we'll get. Philip at times had a very narrow view of Jesus. Yet Andrew, his Jesus, could do everything. And Philip is right in some ways, it was a hopeless situation. But while it's good to be realistic about any situation, Philip's approach is not really a good one because nothing happens positively to change the situation. The situation is still hopeless, nothing can be done. And that's one approach. But it's not a complete approach to deal with the overwhelming and the hard things of life. It's good to be realistic and it's good to be practical. But sometimes in life we have to be more than that. And then Andrew. He seems to have thought more about matters of the soul than about fishing. He left his fishing nets to follow Jesus. But he always remained a fisherman, someone who was part of a crew or a team. He remains a businessman, someone who directed others. So unlike Philip, Andrew looks around to see if anyone can help and finds one, just one. And one is all it takes. Friends, we need to be that one. One in our homes, one with our family, one with our friends, one in our social times. We are that one. Instead of saying, this situation is hopeless. There is nothing I can do. Peter says, I'll see if there's anyone who can help. There's a huge difference between these two approaches. Andrew's not naive. He takes a realistic approach. But unlike Philip, he knows that he needs to face a difficult situation, but doesn't despair. He doesn't sit back and do nothing. He takes the time to call out for help and he finds someone who can. The young boy doesn't even have a name. All we know is that he had a lunch bag and that he was willing to share it with others. Philip looked at the situation over and was realistic about what he was facing, but he stopped there. Andrew had a better approach. He looked at the situation, decided to find someone to help and share the burden. And the boy, he went even further. He looked around. Here I am. I'll give what I can to solve the problem and then I'll leave the rest to God. Every one of these people, these three individuals, had a good approach towards handling a difficult situation. Philip realistic, Andrew looks to others for help and the boy is willing to give what he can towards a solution. Each one has something of value in their approach. God 
has a vision and a plan for all of us. And our vision and our plan is to join with Jesus' mission in saving the world. What we have to give to God is our time, our resource and our energy. And we do so simply as a reflection of what God has done for us. But our resources are so limited. Our time is fractured. And in the face of human need, we only have five loaves and we only have two fish. What needs to be done is often way beyond our resources. So when Jesus says in his final instructions, I'll be with you always, of ourselves, we still only have five loaves and two fish. We don't have enough, but we bring them to God. We give God all that we have. Would you give God your lunch? Would you give him what you have? Then others will know. What do you give him? Your lunch? Amen. We listen to the hymn, Come Down, O Love Divine. Shall far out pass. 
Let us pray. Lord Jesus, as you met the needs of the 5,000, so we pray for those in need today. For those in need of water and food, we pray abundance. For those in need of healing, we pray courage. For those in need of peace, we pray reconciliation. For those in need of encouragement, we pray hope. For those in need of freedom, we pray release. For those in need of companionship, we pray friendship. For those in need of change, we pray opportunity. For those in need of forgiveness, we pray mercy. For those in need of your love, we pray blessing. And for our own needs, May we offer you all that we have, from the smallest amount, and entrust it with ourselves into your care. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Friends, after our blessing we hear our final hymn, Have You Heard God's Voice? Our final blessing. Lord, help us to remain thankful for even the small things. Keep us focused on your loving, generous nature so that we can freely share what we have and who we are. Let us be cheerful givers and humble receivers that all may have enough and be satisfied. And the blessing of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit remain with us always. Amen. Friends, thank you for joining us for our worship this Sunday. May God bless you. Has your heart been stirred? Are you still prepared to follow? Have you made a choice to remain and serve? Though the way be rough and narrow, will you walk a path that will cost you much and embrace the pain and sorrow? Will you trust in one who entrusts to disciples of tomorrow will you use your voice will you not sit down when the multitude
multitudes are silent Will you make a choice to stand your ground When the crowds are turning violent? Will you walk the path that will cost you much And embrace the pain and sorrow? Will you trust in one who entrusts to you The disciples of tomorrow? In your city streets will you be God's heart? Will you listen to the voiceless? Will you stop and eat and when friendship starts Will you share your faith with the faithless? Will you walk the path that will cost you much And embrace the pain and sorrow? Will you trust in one who entrusts to you The disciples of disciples of tomorrow. 